All right, do that. Okay. Well, men and boys, this is really great to uh, have you all here. I'm so glad we had such a good turnout. It's uh, when I was envisioning doing this thing, I said, "Well, I sure hope uh, there's enough, especially the younger men." And, uh, so many of the things that I'm going to have to say here, the older men, I've got some great examples of older men here, men that are, I envy you and look to you as examples of good good husbands and how you minister to your wives and all that. But the titles that I've given to this is A Man's Ministry to the Woman, or you use this title, or Every Man's Responsibility to the Women in His Life. You see, the lesson I have here tonight is for every male among us, whether you're four years old or whether you're 100 years old, I want you to know these things. You as a boy or as a man ought to know what God expects of you in your relationships with women. But I, uh, when I women, I say, well, your mother, your grandmother, your aunt, your cousin, uh, and every other woman that you encounter in your life. There are things in Scripture that you need to know. Uh, perhaps my greatest regrets as a man are the fact that I didn't know these things when I was a young man, when I was a teenager, and, uh, and uh, before I got married. And I had to learn these things. Actually, as a, as a, after I became a Christian, I became a Christian at 21, and, and I got married uh, just before my 22nd birthday, and then my wife had to teach me these things, and God had to teach me through the process of sanctification and learning to try to, to get along with a woman that I lived with because I didn't know anything about these things. And so, But I know that some of you men are going to say, well, Al, I know that. Al, I know that. This, this is just going to be basic for most of you, but I, I don't want to take for these things for granted, and I certainly want the younger men and the boys to learn these things. And the reason, then, for this, this study is threefold. I hope to help you, boys and men, to do right and to do to know the will of God and to do the will of God in these matters. You know, we live in an evil society <clears throat> and uh, that for all their talk of equal rights for women, uh, we have a, a society that exploits women and takes advantage of them. Uh, for example, why do these women on these talk shows always dress with the low necklines and the short skirts? Well, why do they do that? Because their bosses would fire them if they didn't. And I think it's reprehensible. But that's that's just one of the ways they do it. Oh, commercials, the same way, the way they dress the women in the commercials and things like that. And the women are really exploited in our society. Uh, the exploitations of women in the world, all around the world, are also very well known. Think of the Muslim community. How do the Muslims treat their women? I mean, it's, it's horrid how they treat them. And you know they need to they need to learn these things, but uh, their religion uh, oppresses uh, women. And may it not be so with the Church of God. And tr the truth, the truth is, it's historically true, can be historically proven that where true Christianity goes, the state of women is exalted and and, and elevated in the world. And, and and only only where the Christian religion goes. Every other religion in the world that I know of uh, uh, is a, a, a religion that, that uh, oppresses women. So 
so I don't want, but, but there are some Christians that do too, so that's why I don't want any Christian boy to, uh, to grow up with the wrong idea about women. The third reason is that they need us. They need our ministry. And so often they're denied the ministry that they ought to have from us because of our own selfishness. So I teach this for the sake of the women as well. Now, I want to warn you that some of the things that I say today are labeled as sexist in our society. But I want to remind you that we are not to be conformed to the thinking of this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And it's the word of God that is supposed to inform us about all matters having to do with faith and practice and the perfect will of God. Now, the first thing I want to say then is something that would not be controversial, and uh, but it needs to, to underscore everything else that I have to say about women. And that is, first of all, we need to understand that women are not inferior to men. Uh, Jesus never treated women like they were inferior to men, even though he never chose women to be the apostles. Uh, uh, this is not because of their inferior, uh, any inferiorness on their part at all. It's not because they're of, of that. Now, I wouldn't get into all the reasons that women are not qualified to hold office in the church and things like that. That's a, a different study for a different time. But some men, even Christian men, think that because they're not allowed to be pastors and elders and deacons and that this is the is evidence that God considers them to be somewhat inferior to us. And this is a horrible error and a great mistake in how sometimes men view women. Um, I'm told by uh, some of the stuff that I've read about uh, men that abuse women that, uh, 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 that the main thing you can do for a man who abuses his wife is to first begin to teach him some basic things about women because he's got a wrong thinking in his head about women. So they're not inferior to us. It's important <clears throat> that we begin in our thinking about women to, to give them the right esteem that we ought to give them. Uh, for example, Jesus, uh, you think about Jesus' esteem of women. Women were the first witnesses of the resurrection and upon one of his first meetings, when he appeared to the eleven, he rebuked them for not believing the women when they told them about the resurrection. Remember, they didn't believe him at first. Jesus rebuked them for that. <clears throat> but also, notice that how Jesus honored them during his ministry. His first miracle was because his mother asked for some help. And, uh, uh, and no one was more honored than the Samaritan woman at the well for he revealed to her that he was in fact the Messiah and he used her as the first witness to the man of Sychar and the great revival that was brought to that town in the Samaritan town one of the most remarkable outpourings of grace upon any community during the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ think about his honoring of Mary and Martha and his other encounters with women, they were all full of grace and mercy, and he was never harsh with them. It is abundantly clear that he esteemed them very, very highly. And in the text we'll be looking at today, women are called <clears throat> fellow heirs of the grace of life. So in no way are they less precious in the eyes of God uh, than us. Their prayers are just as important as our prayers, 
Their worship is just as much received by God as ours. They're saved in the same way that we are, and they have the same status before God that we have. And so then, <clears throat> and then also I would mention this: that in some ways, women uh, are better than men. There's some things that women are better at than men. Let's put it this way. And I don't have time to enumerate them, but I'd say this to any husband here, or whether you're a husband now or you will become one in the future, you boys uh, should listen to this, and that is that your wife or your future wife is or will be superior to you in some ways. And you'll do well if you keep that in mind and you humbly look for those things so that you might learn. First of all, learn from her. And second, let her best qualities bring blessings into your marriage, into your family, into society, and into the church. Uh, you should recognize her gifts and encourage her in the use of them for the benefit of others. And listen to me, man. I don't, I don't believe that there's ever a marriage where there's nothing in which the woman is superior to the husband. And if, I don't recognize, if you don't recognize this and honor her for it, I suspect you're a very proud man. Uh, I was this way. i got to confess, when I first got married, I, I know in my heart and in my mind, I felt like I was smarter I was uh, more theologically astute and different things I know. I, I, I did not honor my wife. As the years went by, the Lord taught me differently. The second thing I want to bring out about women, though, and this is somewhat controversial, is that women are generally weaker than you. Uh, it's amazing how that statement alone inflames worldly passions, uh, but it's shows the foolishness of our society that they make claims that deny that which is scientifically true. It's self-evident to all and as obvious as the sun is brighter than the moon that women are weaker than men. And I'll refrain from talking about the idiocy that is, this has led to in our nation. Women firefighters, things of that nature. Let's first look at what the Bible says about it. And now I want to go to our text, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. And I'm not going to fully treat this text. I just want to touch on uh, just <clears throat> a couple of things here. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. <clears throat> this is uh, Peter's uh, command to the husbands. Husbands likewise dwell with them, their wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Now I've heard biblical counselors, Christian biblical counselors, twist this by saying that it doesn't mean what it says, because women generally live longer than men and things of that nature, that they're not really weaker than us, but they're just twisting the scripture to accommodate our culture, in my opinion. Um, uh, the fact is, it's just as Peter put it, they're the weaker vessel. And that means, it doesn't mean they're inferior to us in any way. It means they're weaker. Sometimes weaker physically. Sometimes you can say they're weaker emotionally. But certainly physically. And, you know, you can always find exceptions. You can find some woman that's stronger than her husband 
And I know there's probably, you know, billions of women that could outrun me in a foot race, you know, especially with my bum knee, you know. But, uh, but this is a general statement. But what obligation does that put upon us as men? And that's what I want to talk about. It says, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. This is applied uh, directly to the husband. And uh, isn't it right? And according to God's will, the stronger should honor the weaker. Is there any precept in the Christian religion that allows the strong to oppress the weak, that allows the rich to oppress the poor, and that, that it gives us liberty to trample on those who that are, that are smaller than we are. Uh, absolutely not. Now, boys, uh, here's something for you. And uh, I believe at about 10 or 12 years old, different ages for different boys, most of you are stronger than your mothers at a very young age. That's, that's, that's what I've observed. Now, I grant that with some women, it might be 18 or 20. I remember... One of my aunts took down my brother when he was like 16 years old. I thought it was kind of a humorous uh, little incident. But see, that would be the exception, wouldn't it? Most boys at 10 or 12 are stronger than their mothers and have more endurance. Boys, do you want, you want to know something that um, greatly pleases God and pleases your parents as well? When you are anxious and attentive to your mother and your grandmother. If, she's, if, if they're living. Um, <clears throat> this is very, very pleasing to God. Uh, Mom, let me carry that. Uh, Mom, let me open that door for you. Uh, I think that all boys have a built-in instinct to defend their mothers. I remember that um, if anybody hurt my mom, I was greatly displeased with that person. My mother was a person that was hurt a lot by men. And I remember uh, a man actually, one of her husbands actually slapping her in front of me. And I was just a little boy. Boy, did I want to get, and I want to whip him up bad. But I was just a little guy. I was probably Elliot or Asher's age. And uh, I really wanted to hurt him because he hurt my mom. And I think all boys have that. Somebody hurts you, mother, you, you're ready for battle. And that's good. That's a good, good thing. But even so, even so, we can be very selfish and thoughtless with them, too, with our mothers. Have you ever, boys, have you ever had a day when uh, you're tired, you, you've had a, you and your family have been doing something, you've had a picnic or whatever, you've done something, and, and you're tired and you want to rest when you come home? Listen, I guarantee this, that in 99 out of 100 times, your mom is more tired than you. Your mom is more tired than you. Now, here's the thing I want you boys to think about in those situations. Don't sit down until she sits down and the work is done. That's how you apply this passage to you boys. Or better yet, you encourage her to sit down while you, you do the work for her. Putting the stuff away. Whatever it is. Encourage her to sit down while you put the stuff away or, or uh, do whatever work needs to be done. She's weaker than you. You be a man. I'm talking to pretty small boys here, but I'm telling you, be a man. You be a man. You know, you don't. You know, a man doesn't start to become a man just because he gets full grown and he's a certain age. A man becomes a man. He starts to become a man when he's a boy, 
And it comes, it, it, you start to become a man because of the attitude in your mind. And one of the best attitudes you can have in your mind is, I'm going to minister to my mother. And I'm going to make sure that my mom is not overworked. I'm going to take care of everything I can for my mom. You be a man because that is what God has called you to do. She is the weaker vessel. You, you are stronger. And you might say, but I'm just a boy. Well, listen, uh, don't, don't let that, don't let, don't be thinking that way. You think, no, I'm just a boy, but someday I'm going to be a man, and I'm going to start off by being a man in the way I treat my mother. So a better, uh, and the truth is, a boy can be a better man than most men that are full grown. He just needs to decide he's going to be a man for God. So begin to be a man of God by serving the females around you, wherever they are. And one of you might say, you mean, you mean my sister? Yeah, yeah, your sister, you know. And I had a sister, and I despised her when I was a boy, but young boy, but now I look back and I wish I'd been kinder to my sister. Amen. You see, you hear, hear that amen. But every man here that had a sister would say the same thing, except Mike, you know, right? <laughs> No, no, we don't want to do better for them. Now, how about other women that uh, are not my mother or my sister or my aunt or my cousin? Women that are not related to you. Uh, Here's something for every man and for every boy. We must honor them. We must use our strengths to help them in their weakness. So our attitude towards them must be one of serving them and not taking advantage of them. Young men, you, especially you older boys, listen to me about this. You know what I'm talking about when I mean take advantage of them. I don't need to describe what that means. You know what I'm talking about. Don't be that kind of man. Don't be that kind of young man. You minister to their needs. And this goes, of course, for all men. Now, I'll tell you a true story about a pastor told me one time, a pastor friend of mine, that you you would not know him. You've never even heard his name. But he was counseling a lady, and uh, and she would uh, come to his office, and he'd meet her there, and he'd counsel with her. And he found himself uh, looking too much forward to it. And uh, like he was uh, really developing uh, feelings for this woman, and so he was alarmed by that, and so he he told his wife about it because he said, "I don't want to, I want to, don't want to go there," you know. And, uh, and of course, she, the wife, you know, you can be sure the wife took care of the situation. She ended that. She did, there'd be no more counseling. And I thought, well, you know, that's very commendable. It's good of him, you know. It's one of the things. that's a common thing with pastors. You hear about it a lot, pastors that uh, are unfaithful to their wives and a lot of times it starts off innocently with some kind of a counseling thing and I, that's very honorable and and uh, of him but you know um, uh, I know what he did was a righteous thing but I've also thought how sad it was for that poor woman that she was denied pastoral ministry because of the foolish lust of her counselor you know and uh, this is an abuse of one of Jesus' lambs. How wretched for a man of God that on account of his foolish lust must withhold ministry 
from one of Christ's little lambs. And what is her only crime? Her only crime is that she was born a woman and she was born beautiful. You know. And I thought, uh, our view of these women that ask for our help must be that they are in need of our help. They need us and they need our unselfish ministry. And normally, as much as possible, I like to see the women in the church meet the counseling needs of the other women in the church. And normally that's what happens in our church. But for some of us, there are those occasions that they need pastoral care. And woe to us if we cannot give them that pastoral care because of our own foolishness. Always remember that our strength as men is always so that we can uphold the weak and not to oppress or take advantage of the weak. Your strength is not given to you for your own glory and your own pleasure. Your strength is not given to you just so you can kick a ball farther than somebody else or you can run faster than somebody else or you can outperform somebody else in some sport. God has given you your strength for the purpose that you would use it to serve, to encourage, and to uphold others. And there are few who need that strength more than the weaker sex among us, the women in our midst. Now, like I said earlier, I wish I had been taught these things when I was a boy. It would have changed my life in many good ways. And I could have made a far better impact on the world and a far better impact on the various women in my life as a young man. And I'd have been a better husband much earlier than now I, you know, I think I'm a pretty good husband now. You know, I don't know. My wife might tell you otherwise. But I've sure learned a lot and I've sure appreciate my wife and I've, I've learned to, I've learned to, to, to learn from her strengths and, uh, and to, uh, and to just, uh, uh, honor her as, as she ought to be honored. And I wish I would have learned these things earlier. Now, of course, none of this, you know, that I've mentioned today changes or uh, our, our obligations for ministry to men, but it does flavor and inform our ministry to women. There's much more that could be said, even about this passage that we have here in First Peter, but uh, you put this into practice and I'll feel like we've had a successful day together. Um, now, I just want to mention a few words about the phrase, heirs together of the grace of life, which we find in this passage. What a, what, a, what a gracious statement that is. Heirs together of the grace of life. This is a gospel statement. To be a fellow heir of the grace of life means to be one who has been given new life in Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Uh, being born the first time just gives us life. It just gives us physical life. It doesn't give us the grace of life or the life of grace. The life of grace is given only upon being born the second time. And not a physical, but a spiritual birth. And that comes by calling upon Jesus in sincerity and uh, that he would be your Lord and your Savior. And he demands this. For without, uh, for without that, for without being born the second time, we cannot enter the kingdom of God and we cannot see the kingdom of God. In John 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus that unless a man is born again, he cannot see and he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
So, uh, so I may be talking to one of you today that has not yet received Christ as your Lord and Savior, and I would I would admonish you to do so, and to submit your life to Christ, and to tell Jesus that you want to serve Him the rest of your life, and uh, ask Him to forgive you for your sins, and and to and to be your Lord and Savior, and He has an open invitation. Jesus invites you to the salvation that He died to provide for you. He says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. You know, a yoke, that's something that uh, the oxen would have on them so they could pull a load. Take my yoke. In other words, put Jesus' yoke. You, you pray to Jesus. Jesus, put your yoke upon me that, so that I can be your oxen, so to speak. So I can do your work for you. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. And so I invite you to come to Jesus Christ today. Pray today. Ask Him to save you. And uh, and He will. And this light yoke, this gentle and humble uh, Jesus that invites us to come to Him, invites us, as He invites us to come to Him, He also uh, will uh, form in you that same character so that you might be gentle and lowly in heart also. Uh, and, uh, and that will show up very much in your ministry to the women in your life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the women around us, our mothers, our, our uh, grandmothers, and uh, the various women in the church who do so many things to take care of us and to bless us in so many ways. And Lord, we just pray that we would not we would use, we would, we would employ our strength to make their lives easier, and that we would look upon them in that manner. That these are these are fellow heirs of the grace of life that need our strength to help them along in what they do. And so, bless the church, bless the women in this church and in in these families. And I pray these boys would have a new look at their mother. And they would view their mother not as somebody that's there to just take care of them. But they would look at their mother and say, what can I do for my mother and their grandmother? Bless them, we pray. And may they grow up then with this confidence that they've taken care of the women in their lives the way God would have them to. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you.